Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. show and and i didn't know if we were going to do this again but i had a feeling maybe we'd be doing this again but it is the what's going to happen at michigan edition again matt fortuna joining us this time we had ari wasserman last week and we basically went through a list of potential candidates at michigan but matt and i are recording this just as wisconsin has taken a knee uh their backups probably could have scored about 21 more points against michigan if they so chose but they did not they showed mercy unlike cobra kai uh well the new cobra kai would show mercy i don't know if you've watched that show matt but i'm not but (laughs) well i highly recommend it michigan fans if you're looking for some new netflix shows you know you need something else to watch maybe that but i feel like this is the biggest story in college football right now matt because what we saw from michigan aside from one drive by the backup quarterback Mm -hmm was an abomination it's every week i feel like every year now every week within this year is groundhog day if you're michigan right like every you think oh, it doesn't get any lower than this they just lost ohio state by 30 something points oh, it doesn't get lower than this they just lost to mark d'antonio or now mel tucker again down the road at michigan state and then you get a game like tonight where i mean you talk about wisconsin's backups could have put up more on Half the Wisconsin starters tonight were backups. I mean, that team was really banged up as well from COVID and everything else. And they hadn't played a football game in three weeks. I mean, you heard some of the whispers about who was not going to be on the field for Michigan. We could all tell from watching them play so far this year, probably isn't that interested and motivated of a football team. But I, I couldn't – coming into it, I'm just like I, – I can't – I mean, I see the line rising from like one and a half really – early in the week to, to seven at kickoff. And I understand everyone thinks Wisconsin's in a roll, but I'm just like, you know, I, I don't know if a team that hasn't played a football game in three weeks and is missing, you know, Garrett Groshek and a number of other key players is capable of, of dominating. And boy, they, they shut me up about five minutes into the game. I mean, it was a joke. Yeah. I mean, and, and it was the, the two earlier interceptions were absolute killers. They gave Wisconsin short fields, made it easy for them to score, but I'm not sure it would have mattered. If those had been right. three and outs and not interceptions, I don't know that it changes the the face of the game very much. And that's that's it. I mean, Michigan does not have the talent to win against Ohio State. We know that. I mean, that, that question has been asked and answered many times. But the question is, can Michigan play with teams like Wisconsin? Michigan is supposed to have better players than Wisconsin. If you look at the, the recruiting rankings. So this is a case of, you see a program like Wisconsin that recruits pretty well, but develops really well. And then Michigan that recruits very well. I mean, they're a top 15 recruiting type team that doesn't develop at all. I mean, 
I, I just don't know what what what's next. Where they go from there? I mean, at Rutgers versus Penn State versus Maryland, and we'll talk about Big Ten tiers um, shortly. But like that's their schedule between now and Ohio State. Um, the Big Ten being what it is, I mean, I'd be equally surprised or unsurprised if Michigan went three and zero or zero and three against those teams. Well, that's, uh, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Who do you think wins between Michigan and Rutgers next week? Like, this is a legitimate question. I have to say Michigan, right? I mean, I don't say that with any faith because I've, I've You don't lost, have to. Rutgers I've lost, Michigan State. <laughs> I've lost some dollars in my life uh, buying into – not even buying into the Michigan hype, but just thinking – trying to buy low on them, and I don't know. I mean, you want to play guess the line for that one right now? What do you think it'll be? The line will be – well – See, the line for this one was funky, too, because when, when Ari and I did our show where we focus on lines on Friday, Michigan was still favored in this game. They were? Now, Holy cow, I didn't even yeah, see that one. Okay. Yeah. And, and now the, the, the betters figured this out and realized this is, this is a giant mistake. And, you know, the, the point Ari made at that time was nobody's entirely sure who's, who's going to play for sure. Wisconsin. As it became more clear who was going to play for Wisconsin, I think that – and then who wasn't going to play for Michigan? I think that flipped a little bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happens now because this is going to be – they're just in uncharted territory because somebody said this is Rich Rod bad. And I, I said, no, Rich Rod teams were never this bad. Maybe you when probably, Hoke's team <clears throat> lost to Minnesota. But I, I still don't think they were that I, bad. I even feel like, that, I feel like that was more of off-field stuff with the Shane Moore stuff that, that got them in more yeah. than the on-field play. Um it's crazy, right? Like we we went through like the first three or four years of the Jim Harbaugh era, where we're like, all right, like you know he, he's pretty good coach and has done a pretty good job of building up that program. He just keeps losing to the one team he he got hired to beat every year, and um, you know eventually maybe they'll climb that mountain and they'll break through. And uh, perspective is everything, right? If if they stop JT Barrett on fourth and short in double overtime, and some of them will tell you they did. Some will tell you they did. I mean, the entire complexion of the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan is is viewed through a different prism because they're probably in the playoff because they would probably beat Wisconsin, who they beat earlier that year, to get into the playoff. And that that monkey is off your back. Um, what's that does for recruiting and everything else? I don't know, but we're not talking about Jim Harbaugh as this guy who can't win a big game, which it's crazy, right? I don't know how many times they recited the stat during the broadcast on ABC tonight, but I think they said – Michigan has not won a game in which it was an underdog since 2015. I think since Jim Harbaugh got there. That's um, crazy. And the, the other stat, no, you want the crazy telling. 28 nothing at halftime. They show the graphic. Largest oh, halftime was- deficit <laughs> at home since the since big house opened, opened the building. 1927. I, it, it doesn't make any sense. The, the one thing that's clear is it's not working and they need to do something different. But Michigan doesn't fire coaches midseason. We know that. So let's put that out of our minds. I personally don't think they will fire Jim Harbaugh. I think in I the middle of a pandemic, I don't think that that university will write a check to make him not coach anymore. Well, I think it would I, have to be an amicable split where he takes another job and doesn't put them on the hook for next year's salary. It's funny. I was, I was texting with a, a Michigan buddy of mine uh, who's a Jets fan in New York, and he said, how about – he goes, my, my life would just be complete, right, in all the wrong ways if, if uh, the Jets hired Jim Harbaugh to replace Adam Gase. I thought, I didn't know you could get any more awkward at the head coach position in the NFL than Adam Gase, but you might if you hired Jim Harbaugh. You, you know, that's actually not a terrible thought. 
Because the Jets do stupid things like bring Matt Rule in for an interview and say, okay, we'd love to hire you, but but you you can't hire any of your assistants. We're going to hire the assistants for you. Jim Harbaugh might get there and be like, you know what? That sounds great because everybody just gave me crap for the assistants I hired anyway. So go for it. Because Joe Douglas had nothing to do with most of this with the Jets, I almost want to give them a, a clean slate and say maybe they get it right this time. They I think, probably won't I think it'd be a little Jets, bit different. Yeah, it could be a little bit different. But it, I think that's what makes this conversation so fascinating, right? And why we'll have it every week. I have a hard time seeing Ward Manuel uh, for the same reasons you mentioned sitting down Jim Harbaugh saying you're fired. Like I, I just. I want to say it was less than a year ago when he said, I hope he can retire here. You know, I mean, he's a Michigan man. That means something. I know that that a lot of people roll their eyes at that, but at that place, that means something. They're not going to fire him. They're not going to embarrass him. But the guy has already lasted longer there than he's lasted anywhere in his professional career as a coach. Uh, You hear all about the wear and tear he has on people. There's no way that's not true just by watching the way these guys play for him. And and you could be as quirky and hard to work for as you want as long as you win. But if you're terrible like this, you can't be that. No, absolutely. And I just think you reach a point where you're going to be at the end of the year here, and the guy has one year left on his deal. I I could not tell you the last time a college football coach entered the last year of his contract without an extension. And they can't extend him. Like, they just can't. I mean, what – Trying to think of like of an extension where you scratch your head and you're like, I thought that guy was going to get fired. Maybe Lovey Smith a couple of years ago, but that yeah. was a. And I didn't Adazio. think Scott Frost was going to get fired when he got extended last year. I just right. didn't yeah, understand why they were, why um, they were doing it because they were not bidding against anyone. Steve Adazio, but, but in both those cases, those were pure cosmetic recruiting, not going to affect the buyout kind of extensions. Um, I don't think Michigan, Michigan's Michigan. You can't hide if you're Michigan. You're the winningest program of all time. You're one of the most uh, biggest brands out there. You can't just extend a guy to extend him and say, all right, like we're going to give him time to get his coaches and recruiting philosophy in there. No, like he is who he is at this point. Um, I don't think it's changing. Um, you thought maybe like, if you're the most optimistic Michigan fan ever, hey, another year with Josh Gaddis, we'll finally figure it out. No, that's not happening. Um, so I, I think that the drama here, before we get to like who could actually coach them in 2021, the drama here is how does this exit happen? Because, uh, you know, Harbaugh leaves leaves scars everywhere he's been, and most notably in San Francisco. I mean, from afar, uh, on the other side of the country, with no investment in, like, the NFL or the 49ers franchise, that was, like, the most painful public 12-month-long breakup to watch, like, with just everyone undermining everyone and dragging this thing out and it ending in, like, the perfect landing spot for him where it just kind of worked out. That's probably not happening here unless some NFL franchise says – Hey, come be our coach. Yeah, and I, I honestly can't see that right now. No, and I, I, I don't think Michigan. I mean, they're crazy boosters there, like everyone else. But I don't think like the Michigan administration is going to be throwing them under the bus. I mean, I don't think the president loves the way he handled the pandemic, but like, I don't think any president loves the way their coaches handle the pandemic. No, it, it it's a really weird situation. But here's the thing, and, and this is maybe the reason why you want to think about figuring out how to do something mm-hmm. maybe you have that con- and, and you know you don't have to have that conversation now you don't have to have it during the season you can have it after the season's over but find a way to make it amicable for both parties and and get it done because you may have a better selection this year than any other year because i don't think there's gonna be a lot of schools doing this i mean south carolina lost to Ole miss tonight in a game 
where they gave up about a billion yards. They gave up 59 points. Will Muschamp is a defensive guy. This would this would be a last straw type game in a normal season. He would be fired tomorrow if this were a normal season, even with that giant buyout. I don't know that that's going to happen. I, I have no idea. I don't know that they'll write that check. So I, I, I don't know if South Carolina and Michigan would be in the market for the same coach or coaching pool. But what I'm I think saying Michigan is, and Texas would be. I'm not sure Texas anybody's going to be in the market because I don't think Texas is going to do anything. I don't unless know. he loses I mean, the rest of the season. There's a long season left of the Big 12's funky like that. Um, I wouldn't bet on it Clay, in a second. Clay Helton keeps pulling defeat yeah. from pulling victory from the jaws of defeat. Like he should have lost. He should be 0 and 2 right now, uh-huh. but not 0 and 2. So if he's sitting there in the Pac-12 championship game, you're going to fire him? Like that that's the part I don't get. I don't think there're going to be a ton of big openings and you could have your pick. So the only way there's big openings is if the NFL falls even further in love with some of these guys after seeing what Matt Rule and Joe Brady with Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury have done. I mean, do you make a run at Lincoln Riley? Does David Shaw finally make that leap that we've all well, been David Shaw made needs for to leave years? Stanford because he needs to leave Stanford. He should have left a couple of years right. ago. Now, now's the time. There, we'll get to this a little later in the show too because. There were two guys, and David Shaw was one of them that, that I was watching today and thinking they should have they should have left or hung it up a while back. And now it's starting to to come home to roost. So who's the I other just, one? Uh, the other was Gary Patterson. Huh. Because I'm not sure they're that that under him they're going to be a competitive Big Twelve program again. I think I think that ship may have sailed. Interesting. I don't know if I'd write him off that quickly just because of the nature of that conference. But David Shaw, you wonder what it would take to recapture um, that glory that, that he had early on uh, because they were such a model program for, for so many of the But I don't, I don't think you can be that with Mario Cristobal at Oregon and Jimmy Lake at Washington. It's funny you bring up Mario Cristobal. What do you think of him for Michigan? Oh, I think he'd be very good there. I think he'd be. Very, I think I think they're used there. to big personality, so that won't rub. That won't be a change of pace. I think he'll recruit his ass off, um, and he'd recruit nationally. He'd yeah. recruit along the and, and he'd build along the line of scrimmage, which is what matters the most. Yep. Mm. I mean, I think he's a guy. We spent so much time talking about Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell and maybe Dave Clawson. And look, I would bet every dollar I own that any three of those guys will go in there and win ten games a year. Are they going to recruit at the level that gives you a chance to beat Ohio State at the end of the year? I Ma- Mario Mario is the guy. Who Mario won. Mario won. Ohio yes. State. You're exactly Absolutely. right. And and but see, that's the same thing if USC opens. So what what would he want to do? Neither of those are home for him. He's he's a Florida guy. He's right. from Miami. So uh, you know, I, I don't know that it matters as much location wise in in that sense. Another I think it's easier not- to make that move out of conference. I would think. Yeah. Another name that we didn't mention that Ari and I didn't mention last week when we talked about Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle and, and all the other names, what about Tom Allen. And I realize Tom Allen's an Indiana guy and loves being in Indiana, but I mean, you could do better at Michigan than you do at Indiana. And he's doing really well at Indiana. I can't say I've thought of that name. Um, he's done a great job. I don't want to take anything away from him. 
I, I just – you see the Michigan brass going for that? Uh, well, why not? He just whooped their butt. <laughs> I suppose, but, I mean, if he loses by 30 to Ohio State next week on the big new game of the week, which yeah. is more likely than not he coaches happen, Indiana. I know, but that's the point. Like, I, I think if you're Michigan, like, you need to be – like, your sole focus should be on beating Ohio State because if you do that, you're going to have a chance to win it all. And all these guys well, – Then Mario's he, your guy. That's right. it. I, no, yeah. I, I mean, he's the only logical one unless there's someone unhappy elsewhere that's looking for a move. Unless Urban Meyer wants to <laughs> come off the box oh. desk and, and do Whoa, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> can you even imagine? It That'd won't happen. Can ever. you even imagine? <laughs> just them just calling him and, and seeing the smile on his face when he hangs up or sends him to it, voicemail. It'd be like be WrestleMania. Oh, my God. That's like, Urban it, Meyer's music. It would be Rick Pitino, Kentucky and then Louisville. Win it, it both. It would. Wow, that I hadn't thought about that, but the reason I hadn't thought about it is because he won't. It, it won't happen. They won't do it, and I'm not sure he would do it. But wow, I don't that think would he would fun. do it. But I mean, come on, that'd be awesome. The the most realistic one of, of the people we talk because, and again, Oregon hasn't really paid Cristobal yet. They haven't given him the big payday since he got the head. He, no, I think and Michigan he would pay him more than USC Fox would. Board. Yeah, Michigan Michigan would pay more. Well, if they pay if if they pay him what they pay Harbaugh, I think he'd be happy. It's more than Oregon oh, yeah. can pay him right now. Oh, so, yeah. and I think and I think Michigan can give him the staffing requirements that he desires. I think that that's a big part too. You know, Mario wants an infrastructure that looks like Alabama's. Right. Like he's got that Alabama org chart on the desk, and right now he doesn't have all the positions that Alabama has. If you go to Michigan, you can get that. Yeah, you can get it, and I mean, you know the stories of that guy. I mean, he's. I know this sounds stereotypical, but he's that guy who's up at four in the morning and is incredibly difficult on his staff and rides them 365 days a year to go out there and do everything humanly possible to get the best possible talent that's out there to come to their program. There are very few guys that operate that way uh, on a 365 day basis. Um, There are a lot of good coaches who don't operate that way, but I mean, there's Nick Saban. There was Urban Meyer. He does operate that way. Yeah. And Urban Meyer does too. Um, I'm not even sure Dabo Swinney operates that way, to be honest with you. I mean, he, he at least uh, he, they're they're pretty pretty hardcore when it comes to recruiting. But yes, there's a they little are, more but I mean, let me put it this yeah. way: if you want to take a, a give a dose of truth serum to Mario staff and Dabo staff and say who they like working for more, every single oh, one to a man is going to say Dabo, hundred um, percent. Yeah, and Kirby Smart's the other one I, I would throw in that mix as well, who, who's just maniacal about talent acquisition, and I think that's the only way to operate when you've got this death star that is Ohio state, that's just operating so far above and beyond everyone else in your conference. And that, and who look, I think, I do think coaching aside, recent history side, I think it's easier to win at Ohio state. That is in Michigan. I do, but I don't think that means it's impossible. Um, Ohio state loses games for the most part every year, loses a game or two every year. Um, like, that's that's what Michigan. I mean, if, if you're Michigan, 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 you know the team, the team, the team. All these cliches and everything that they're out there. You need to exhaust every resource humanly possible to, to to overtake that. And you know, maybe get lucky and Ryan Day goes to the NFL in three years. I mean, that's not crazy. Ryan Day may then, get offered an NFL job then, this year, and he'd then be, Luke he'd be one of the ones that I think they jump on. <laughs> oh, he so, he'd, he'd be at the top of that list. I mean, it'd be him, it'd be Lincoln Riley, um, probably a couple others. I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but those are the two absolutely that that you immediately think of. 
Um, you, you asked me to do big 10 tiers, by the way, coming in here. Did you? Re- yes. I, I, I made like a pyramid here, but I want to hear. Oh, good. Yeah. Cause the, the, what I texted to Matt during the Michigan Wisconsin game was, is there a middle in the big 10 or is it just a few good teams, Ohio state, Wisconsin, Indiana, and maybe Northwestern and a bunch of terrible teams. I feel like the Northwestern Purdue game today was for the middle of, of the big 10. Like it was a battle for the middle. Yes, but I will, because Northwestern won and now plays Wisconsin, I will kick the can down the road another week to answer that question because I think we'll get even more clarity that I do I have. Wisconsin's probably good. I think they're probably good too, but I don't care how good they are. They struggle with Northwestern every year, and that's a True. damn good defense they're going to be playing. So I, I, I think that game could be interesting. And again, Wisconsin has to get every single game in here in order to. Uh, Correct. And, and I, I forgot about this till tonight because I didn't exactly have it circled on my calendar uh, when their schedule is released. They do play Indiana as a crossover. It's at home, but that's not an easy game. <laughs> this is, it, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Indiana may, nine win Indiana may not be a possibility because <laughs> they got to play Ohio State next week. I don't think they're going to win that one. And then they, they're going to have to play Wisconsin later in the season. So I, six, I and, six and two doesn't get you to nine win Indiana. You, know, you get seven and two when you beat the the ninth game, and then you get an eighth win yeah. in a ball. It's close enough in a, in a shortened year. I'll I'll take it when it's I'll eight of it. ten. In the end, I'll take it. Uh, I had Ohio State alone at number one, Penn State alone as the only winless team at the bottom. Uh, I have, is Penn State the worst team? I mean, all right, so let me let me recite to you the tier right above them, which is all the one okay. teams: Nebraska, Illinois, Rutgers, Minnesota, Michigan State, Michigan. Every single one of those teams' wins came against the other. Right. Nebraska beat Penn State. Illinois beat Rutgers, who beat Michigan State, who beat Michigan, who beat Minnesota, who beat Illinois. Which means Maryland is above these people. Yeah, I do have Maryland. I have Maryland, Iowa, and Purdue, a tier above them, all with winning record, or all with multiple wins. Um, and I above them, I have Wisconsin, Indiana, Northwestern. And um, uh, I mean, I'm not going to judge Indiana too harshly if they lose by like 21 points next week. Like I still no, think they could fight to be like in that second tier. Um, but I think Northwestern uh, Wisconsin next week is, is a real I, battle I think Northwestern is, is a very good team. I don't know that they are going to win a division title and, and play for the big 10 title, but I think they are, a, they're one of those teams that will be tough every time you play them. And it is, and we knew this last year, they had a great defense that was dragged down by the worst offense they've ever had, probably. Right. Just saying something at North at Northwestern, <laughs> and so their offense now has moving past. You know, you, you were like, okay, if you could just get that thing average, we're fine. They're nice and competent on offense, and you put no, that with that really good defense. That's a good team. That's exactly right, and that defense has gotten better. I mean, this was the first game they they gave up second half points all season long. Um, they have a good play caller, Mike Bajakian. I mean, even last year. They were the most predictable offense in the world and the worst offense in the world, and they ran the ball okay. They were middle of the pack, Big Ten. Um, all of our colleagues in the media, which is everyone in this business other than me and you who went to Northwestern, um, will tell you like they really needed that mere year to, to really self-examine and peel back the curtains and, and make the necessary infrastructural changes to that offense that they'd been masking uh, by winning a bunch of close games. They had no business winning for a number of years, but – like they play Wisconsin tough all the time, um, and I, 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 I mean, I, I think Wisconsin will win next week. But I wouldn't be surprised if Northwestern won. And again, 
Wisconsin has to play every single game. And, and that's a tall order from here on out, seeing what they've gone through already, which means Northwestern very well could be in Indianapolis for the last game. Of the yeah, year. I, we're, we're going to go into a very interesting week. I mean, this week was, was affected quite a bit, especially in the SEC. But I think we're about to go into a very, very interesting week because the, the numbers nationwide keep spiking. I'm just talking about general population. Right. That has to affect everything. I think that's why no. With the sports are. mirroring America right now, it's right, not. right. So, I think the Pac-12 is going to have more problems than anybody because they might have states issuing orders right. that make it impossible to do anything. Uh, but the SEC's got the new deal where basically, if on you know Sunday and Monday, if you think you're going to have an issue or you think your opponent's going to have an issue, you can find a new dance partner as long as it's not a rematch by the end of business on Monday. So you, you're going to see some musical chairs in the SEC. I don't know if you'll see them this week because I was looking and it looks like most of the matchups are okay with the exception of Ole Miss, Texas A&M. I don't know that Texas A&M is going to be able to play, but I don't know that Ole Miss has anybody left that they can hop on a game with. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You remind me as, as you start looking ahead to next week and as if we need another reminder of what a weird year this was. I got really excited when you talked about that because usually this is the SEC FCS week ahead of Thanksgiving. You're exactly and that, right. And yeah, now we get that horrible. SEC SEC games, so bring it on. <laughs> yeah, and, and it might be SEC SEC games that weren't on the schedule. Exactly, even better. Originally. So, yeah, that, that's gonna, it's going to be wild. But let's, let's before we turn the page forward, let's talk about the ACC a little bit because – Notre Dame did, I think, everything they could do to follow up that Clemson win as well as possible. I thought that they went to Boston College. Uh, Boston College is a good team. Uh, clearly, Dracovic is, a, Dracovic is a talented quarterback. Jeff Halfley does a good job. And, and Boston College played them tough for a little bit, and then Notre Dame did what a playoff contender is supposed to do and just stepped on the gas. It's interesting you start off that way because I think they opened that game the first quarter and a half. that They had two or three lost fumbles. And they do that against North Carolina in two weeks. That could be costly. Uh, now, I think that was a natural kind of human nature letdown. Like, there's no physical way possible we can get up for this game the same way we did for number one last week kind of performance. And Ian Buck, with the most important part, the most telling part, and Brian Kelly said this afterward, Ian Book's playing his best football of his career right now. Back-to-back weeks. Last week oh, against he, he looks one. so in command of that offense. He really does. You know, I, I was just, I'm watching him, and obviously we didn't get to see Mac Jones because Alabama didn't play. 
Uh, we didn't get to see Justin Fields because Ohio State didn't play. But Ian Book looked just super in command of that offense. He was the, the most impressive quarterback I saw today until Kyle Trask took the field for Florida and, and blew everybody else away. But Book looks so comfortable in that offense now. He knows exactly when to tuck it and run, exactly when to throw it away. You just you there there aren't a lot of crazy why did he do that plays with him. It just doesn't happen. No, he rarely had those to begin with, and now he's just really sharp. I mean, I, I, I've said this a lot because the guy's been there a lot, so I'm repeating myself probably, but so many people, especially Notre Dame fans, have spent so much time focusing on what Ian Book isn't. Um, and I think, you know, it's nice to remind everyone, he was a three-star quarterback who had one other Power 5 offer, Washington State. And he was backing up Braden Wimbush three games into 2018 when the Notre Dame coaching staff made a switch after publicly declaring in the offseason that Phil Dracovic was this being is, signed to push Brandon Wimbush. My, Mike, San, Mike Sanford's that. lasting legacy, three stops, that, really three stops oh, down he, the road. He, he spent, I wrote this last week after the Clemson game. I mean, he spent much of his signing day press conference basically defending why he took this kid who was six foot nothing and, and 200 pounds. And they put him in under center against Wake Forest in game number four of 2018 after making the very bold move to bench highly touted Brandon Wimbush because even though they were winning, they weren't winning pretty. And that offense took off. And that offense had a lot more weapons than, than they do now, at least at the skill position spots. And so I think anytime you see a guy, we saw this with Jake Fromm last year at Georgia, right? Like you see a guy who's just so known. Uh, you know, I don't want to say predictable. I, I think reliable is a better word. But but fans and the media, people get bored of that. And I don't think that's fair. That's right. But, now, Fromm took a step back. But he also like, who, who do you have on offense last year? Swift and, 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 and Book is not. Book has Book has taken well, a big step well, forward. Pre, but pre-Clemson, I mean, that was the talk around Notre Dame, at least among the fan base, was like, we're not going to win because we don't, you know, Clemson's backup quarterback is going to be better than our quarterback. And look, I think there's a solid case to be made that DJ Uyunglele is the third best quarterback in the country right now. So if, you, guy. if you asked an NFL but, scout, they'd say he uh, is, but that's okay. The poor okay. guy's sitting the rest of the year. Um, but Ian Book, he, I think they, they, they spent a lot of time trying to find themselves an offense because they had probably the best offense line in the country and they knew they could get away with stuff. They've never had running back depth like this probably since the third year of the Brian Kelly era. So they've been really good at running the ball and Ian Book's also a good runner as well. And they weren't deep or all that talented receiver to begin with. And they were waiting for Kevin Austin to come along and he broke his foot twice. They're waiting for Brady Lindsay to come around, come along. He hurt his hamstring and, and we don't know when he'll return. And Bennett Skoranek really became the best player, and he missed a couple games with a hamstring injury as well. So they never were able to get in a rhythm outside of the big old tight ends and running backs, and that was a major concern going up against a Brett Venables defense. What happens last week? I mean, Tommy Reese calls a game of his life. Ian Book leads the drive of his life. They Ky- Kyron Williams, if you read Bruce's, Bruce oh, Feldman's yeah. great story about picking up blitzes, I mean, that that is – one of the most fun stories I've read this year awesome. that takes you inside the game because here's a redshirt freshman back who had to pick up, I think, 19 blitzes and, and picked up every single one of them. Well, and, and not only that, um, I think there's a great story. Maybe if these two teams were to play again, say the ACC title game a month from now, um, there's a great story about Notre Dame's game plan, which they huddled a lot in that Clemson game, which is not usual. I mean, Tommy Reese went to such great lengths to protect Notre Dame's plays and play calls and, and signals from the Clemson coaching staff that 
I think it was always like a wink, wink in the industry. They, they have Pat a reputation. Ford, That's Pat, Pat Forty sure. blew the lid off that with a SI cover story last week, leading into Notre Dame. That I, I know everyone in Notre Dame read and thought, you know, you don't know the half of it, buddy. Um, but like, that's half the battle, right? Like, which is crazy, right? You're going up against probably the best defense coordinator in the country. And oh, by the way, we got to worry about all this other stuff. And they did a phenomenal job. All those guys played the games and coached the games of their life. And what you've seen since then is an Ian Book, who's not just escaping the pocket and running the first time things break down, who doesn't feel like the entire offense is on his shoulders, who knows that he has Avery Davis capable of getting open downfield, who knows today he has Bennett Skoranek in the red zone for fades to get six touchdowns within inside the 20. They were 88th in the nation in red zone conversion rate coming into the day. They went seven for seven until they took a knee on the last drive of the game today. So they're playing their best football offensively right now, and they're only getting better. And I think that bodes very, very well for them as we look ahead to December 19th. Yeah, and I think the ACC is in really good shape because, again, we don't know what's going to happen with the Pac-12. We don't know what's going to happen with the Big Ten because they're in such a compressed situation. The ACC is going to get enough games in. I mean, Notre Dame's already played eight. Did, did you hear Brian Kelly today? Post game? No. He, he brought up a good point and a point that's going to be brought up more and more by coaches not in the Big Ten and not in the Pac-12 everywhere as the playoff committee begins to meet. Um, he got asked by Pete Dammel about just the grind of the season and COVID and this and that. And Kelly basically turned it into this big playoff resume pitch where he said, like, we've already played a Big Ten season. We've played eight games. He's, he's, he's right. not wrong. No, he's, he's not wrong. wrong. And they, they still got to play at North Carolina, which is and, one and of the most dangerous. And they've played their version of Ohio State. <laughs> exactly. And they got to play them again, and they got to play at North Carolina in a couple other games. So, um, I mean, I think it, it's at the point now, and, you know, it's 2020. Everything's crazy. Everything's week to week. But assuming Notre Dame and Clemson went out uh, between now and December 19th, um, I think as long as that game's not a blowout, if it's a 10-point Clemson win or less, you'll have a really hard time convincing me that Notre Dame's not one of the four best teams in the country in 2020. Uh, unless Florida upsets Alabama right. and throws everything into chaos. Yeah, it's going to be Alabama, think, Ohio State, and those two. I think you need Alabama to beat Florida to erase the whole Texas A&M piece of the equation, right. too, because I, I'm not sure Texas A&M's going to lose again. So I don't think it will either, but I, I don't know if you're going to get in without – I mean, you got the Florida win, but The problem that is big Florida's the SEC champ. And they have a win against Florida. It's 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 it gets it gets interesting, but no, I think I think right now Clemson and Notre Dame are in a very good spot as far as that goes. Even even if Ohio State gets in, I think there's a really good shot that they get both of them in. But you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned the grind of it, just trying to get the games in. The ACC might wind up looking like it's handled this the best, but right. there are teams that, that sort of ride the razor's edge. And we, we saw that with the Virginia Tech earlier this season, playing without most of their defense, playing without their defensive coordinator early. Miami on Saturday mm-hmm. almost didn't get there. They almost didn't get on the plane Friday because they almost didn't have enough people. And listen, Miami's not one point better than Virginia Tech at full strength. Miami's a lot better than Virginia Tech. They were underdogs but in that game. They were underdogs, but because of they didn't have everybody to play. I mean, uh, but they got it out. They're forcing Ari Wasserman to take the Pocky one-chip challenge now because we had a bet on this game because I said, this line is weird, and Ari said, that's because it's, there's, it's there's a reason for it. It's a stinky line, and stinky lines usually pay off. And, you know, it's I, funny because he's, he's... I tend to agree with right. Ari there. I would, not, I would not touch that game, but I tend to agree with that philosophy. He's, he's kind of right, though, because 
it was way closer than than you'd probably think just at first glance. And now when Miami missed the two-point conversion at the end, I was so happy because I had Miami plus two and a half on this bet. So, so you don't want overtime. I was going to win whether Virginia Tech won the game or Miami won the game at that point because if Virginia hit, gets a, right. a game-winning field goal, I still win. So I, I'm thrilled. So here's what Ari has to do in case you, you missed Friday's show. So this is the Pocky One Chip Challenge. The pepper is called the Carolina Reaper. That is apparently the hottest pepper on earth. It is the, the box is shaped like a coffin. Inside the box is one tortilla chip, exactly one chip that is dusted with ground up Carolina Reaper. And Ari's mission is to eat this chip and then see how long he can last. So it when, is when you say last, you mean hell. like without chugging a beer, without going to the ER? Like what, yes, what do you define I, last? So, <laughs> well, yeah, before you before you drink something or I've told him you need a glass of milk there. Actually, mm-hmm. you probably need a, a bottle, like a gallon jug of milk. And you probably need a stick of butter. Like I think I think that might be the best move is just peel peel a stick of butter and just stick it in your mouth and try to coat the inside of your mouth. And, and do maybe you know anyone who've done this before? This specific I, I have had some people who are on uh, who are on the internet tell me that they have tried it, and it w- did not go well. Uh, mm-hmm. That there were there were lasting consequences that that Oof. lasted. Mm, Maybe we should days. punt that one until after COVID, knowing how like our, our medical system's a little overstretched right now. And if they well, find he's out, not that going to have to go to the for... hospital. <laughs> I mean, you said lasting consequences. That's what I was thinking. I mean, on the toilet, Matt. I'm not talking okay, about going okay, to the hospital. Okay, okay, so, okay. I think he's going to be all right. But you know, that that was a, a to to lapse into cliche gritty gutty win for for Miami because there I didn't think they were going to win that game when I when I, I, I was did, watching I the not. first half there the right side of their offensive line was just getting smoked every time they were in an obvious passing situation. I thought they they gutted it out, did a good job getting some stops down the stretch, but at seven and one, I don't I don't look at Miami as a threat. No, I don't either, and I think game. that's that was my philosophy coming into a game like tonight's right or t- today's. Um, they're underdogs because they're a team that's kind of been toying with losses that they haven't paid for yet, and eventually that's going to catch up to you. Um, it hasn't yet. Maybe it will down the road. Um, it will be unfortunate for them if they do win out and they don't get in the ACC title game because they're not even going to get a three-way tie if Notre Dame were to lose a game. They would uh, lose that one uh, by virtue of Clemson going 1-1 one and one against their respective competition and Notre Dame going 1-0 and oh, uh, against Clemson. So um, it's unfortunate for Miami in that regard. Um, and, and too often, especially offensively, they just looked like a one-man team. And I don't know how sustainable that is. It's it's not, and you know they also still have to play North Carolina. But let's let's talk about the Tar Heels because that game against Wake Forest on Saturday was wild. That was that was probably the most fun game of the day to watch. And Wake Forest, if you didn't watch it, and I'm sorry if you missed it, but Wake Forest was up was up 45 to 24 as late as five minutes to go in the third quarter, and then North Carolina storms back winds up leading the game 59 to, to 45 but because good teams win and great teams cover wake forest did get a garbage time td with 57 seconds to go to make it 59 53 
But this is this is North Carolina's offense. When they find their gear, you're not you're not going to stop them. So you better be able to hang with them. You better be able to score on their defense. They, I, I posted this in our app when the game went final. That game had everything. It had a 21 point comeback. It had 1,348 combined yards of offense between the two teams. A 571 yard, seven total touchdown day from Sam Howell, and of course, like you said, a backdoor cover by the visitors, which, by the way, made ACC double-digit underdogs 19-7-1 and against the spread in, con- or in conference games this season, now 19-8-1 because Florida State um, uh, went on to not. Cashed, well cashed all those tickets and, yeah. and did. Ooh, you, there's probably an off-season podcast to be done on Florida State. I think there's, there's probably too much there, going there, on. There was a point tonight where I had two TVs on side to side with Michigan and Florida State, and Michigan's down 23 and Florida State's down 35-9. 25 and 26 point deficits for those two teams at once. So, somebody asked me on Twitter who wins between Michigan and Florida State, and I said, not the viewer. <laughs> at least, I mean, at that least would be an awful, awful. There, there's no other way to spit it than it's only year one, Mike Norvell, right? Like, there's oh. no, you're not. I'm not saying well, he's going to. I mean, somebody, somebody else wrote to me and said, is it Jimbo's fault still? And no, it's not still Jimbo's no, fault. No, I wouldn't it's say It's everybody's that, fault at this point. I'm just saying, like, you're the first year of a new coach, so, like, there's, like, some hope. Like, Michigan has no hope right now. I don't think Florida State has a lot of hope right now. They're, they're just frustrated because Miami's having a really good year. Florida looks great. I mean, Florida played a, a pretty good Arkansas team and just tore them apart. I mean, that, that's – Kyle Trask is on another level. I think he, he, uh, I will, I, I think I'm allowed to say this. You do your, your Heisman straw poll. I've already sent mine in. I had Kyle Trask number one. I think this is the first, first week I have, but I mean, I don't he's know. Just he, on had, a he had 11 level out of 44 voters last week. 11 people put him down on the top three. I, um, I bet he's in the, I bet he's on the top of 30 ballots this time. I mean, it's going to be three. We know how this works. It's a very uh, what have you done for me lately, lately kind of ballot. And with Trevor Lawrence now not playing three straight weekends, he will fall out of the top three. I can almost guarantee that. Not to mention Mac Jones and Just Fields didn't play this week either. So right. They're going to lose. Like, like they're going to lose votes this week. That's not but fair. The, the but fact that's the, way the fact works. that Trask is now on a better pace than for in terms of throwing touchdown passes than Joe Burrow was last year. That's insane. Playing only conference games. And you didn't have pits tonight, right? Didn't have pits. No, uh, that was uh, Gamble as the backup, and then Keon Zipperer. Trask Zipperer. did get. I'm looking now. Sorry, he did get three first place votes last week. Three first, three second, five third. Okay, he's gonna have he's gonna have quite a few a more. first place votes. But yeah, he's he's playing really well, and the fact that he did it without pits, I think, should tell you something. And this is this is a defense that it's not a great defense, but it shut down that Ole Miss offense, which was a good offense and, and it has done some good things, but they had no chance. And so I, I think I, basically what that told me is when Pitts comes back, Florida, Alabama is going to be a fun game. What's I'll, the over under on that one going to be not going to be a hell of a lot of great defense in that game, probably, but it's going to be a fun one. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That'll be a fun one. How about, uh, got buried today uh, amid everything else going on. It was a a morning announcement. New Heisman uh, schedule. January 5th, virtual. Figured it would be virtual. They're going to have the the votes on Christmas Eve. All the votes will be in by Christmas Eve. And they're just going to hold it for a week and a half. It's it's interesting. I mean, do they do they know something we don't as far as like, oh, some weekends are still being held for I I don't know if they know reasons. anything. I just think they're being smart about it. I, I think I think they're looking at it and going, well, if everybody pushes a week, then we're covered. This way, we we don't have to change anything. But again, it's a virtual announcement emanating from ESPN Studios in Connecticut. You can schedule it for any day you want and change it, just, it to any day you want. Right. They'll find you a place to it, rock. It was just from. interesting that it went from December 12th to January 5th. And yeah, the, the voting deadline now is, is December 21st. Um, when's the earliest bowl this year? Ooh, uh, it. I want to say it's, it's like oh, five days after the championship games. It's like Christmas Eve or Christmas. No, it makes okay. Sense. This year, this year would be okay. I say usually yeah. there are bowls. In, it might be sooner than that. Yeah, I have to look at the bowl schedule because that just came out like a week and a half ago. Right, it was one of those one of those days where there was a million pieces of news flying at us, and it was like, oh, I, I don't have to worry about this for two months, so I'm not going to think about it. You and me both, um, and that is also like everything else, probably subject to change, but. I, I just, when I first saw January 5th, I thought, are they including semifinals in here? Before I saw the, the voting date in the deadline. Um, it'll be interesting. There actually I mean, is I, a bowl game on December 19th. December 19th, the first the Frisco the Tropical bowl. Smoothie go. Frisco Bowl. And at 2.30 on the 21st is the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Oh, man. Can they, they can put, they can put the, uh, the, Sh- the Chanticleers in that one. They can have the home team there, I think. So there you go. That would be fun. I mean, you could pad your stats and, and 
get a few extra votes for those who are, are, are late to submit their ballots. I, I'm happy. I'm thrilled with these these pre-Christmas afternoon bowl games. Those make me so oh, those happy. those are the best. Because, because my kids are home from school, so I'm, I'm home. I'm stuck. So give me some football to watch. I think everyone's kids are home from school right now. Uh, the, uh, this is true. It's a great – I love um, – I love the pre-Christmas bowls. Are you kidding me? I mean, it gives a lot of attention and spotlights to a lot of people who didn't get their, their, their due um, throughout the course of the regular season. Cause they get buried on Saturdays. Um, and a lot of times you get to see great interim coaches make debuts or not great debuts um, because all the hiring has been done at that point. Or, or and, you get to, now this wasn't a pre-Christmas one. This is, this was post-Christmas pre new year's, but the Joe Kynes halftime <laughs> Which one was that? Uh, when Joe Kynes was Alabama's interim between Mike Shula and Nick Saban oh, okay. at the Independence Bowl. <laughs> Better watch that inside trap! So, speaking of, of teams that have kind of been buried and we've not really gotten a chance to talk about them, let's talk about the Pac-12 because USC and Arizona was actually one of the more entertaining games on Saturday and USC should have lost. It it was two weeks in a row. One great drive at the end that saved them. Two weeks in a row, same thing. I mean, Clay Helton uh, likes to look dangerously. I I would put it that way. Um, I think much in the same way I describe Miami. I think when you play with fire long enough, eventually it catches up to you. But you know, I think we came into this abbreviated season thinking Oregon and USC were uh, the best teams in their respective divisions, and they're both two and out right now. And Oregon in particular, I think looked really good, especially down the stretch there. Um, weathering what's, I was going to call it a, a crazy environment, but it wasn't really an environment, but still a tough place to win. They hadn't won there in, in their last couple trips um, to, to, to go into the Palouse, the, the sport. They, they struggled for a while, but then once they, once they found their groove, I thought Oregon played really well. It, it was really, it was kind of like, you know, midway through the third quarter when they took the lead, you're like, all right, they're, they're going to be okay. Because it, it it was there was a fine line there for a second where if if, if somebody throws if Shook throws a pick and Delor and and, and Jaden you know takes Washington State down one more time you, you may have a problem but I thought Oregon got it under control used the ground game to to kind of salt away the the win and that's how they should win games I mean that that should be what they do they have. A very good offensive line. They have the three-headed running back monster. Use it, you know. Get get out with the win and and keep on keeping on undefeated because you know I I don't know even if an undefeated Oregon has a chance to make the the playoff. But that's their only shot. It. I have a very hard time seeing it unless there's absolute chaos everywhere. Ohio State loses, Wisconsin loses, whatever. I mean, it's just. I have a hard time seeing it. Are, are you, do you have your alarms? Oh, you're on the East coast. You don't need to set your alarm, but will you be waking up for some, uh, Pac-12 brunch? How the NFL schedule? Tomorrow? Well, I will be awake because it starts at noon where I live, but right. yeah, I, I will. I, will I keep, I keep I'm trying to like, uh, sell it in their terms. I'm like, wait a minute. It's, it's going to be 11 AM where I am. I'll, yeah. I'll see it. No, oh. UCLA Cal. Absolutely. I'll watch some of that. I, I, I will probably watch all of that. And, you know, I can have red zone on one TV and, and UCLA Cal on another, other TV. Uh, Listen, Chip Kelly's got to got to prove something here. Although, again, 
He's not really. Got don't think anything's happening this year. No, it doesn't matter if he wins a game. I don't think he's got anything to worry about, given their financial situation, the Under Armour thing, the pandemic. Wow, that's a long list of stuff. I mean, they thought they had John. I mean, different regime there now. Different athletic director, Martin Jarman, replaced Dan Guerrero this offseason. That's a school that literally thought they had John Calipari in the palm of their hands by paying him less money than he was already making at Kentucky. They the were telling people this. when those came out, when the, the boosters like, th- th- that was those like, emails to the LA Times, in real time, they, they were sad. In real time, I, people who have, let's say, some Under Armour connections and know how UCLA uh, works, who said, they've got their guy. They've got their guy. It's over. There's no search. They got their guy. And the next day, you see Cal tweet about an extension or whatever it was, like he does every year. And then you see the emails. It's like, wait, they had their guy who was going to take a pay cut and not only take a pay cut, but move from Lexington, Kentucky to Westwood, California. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, it was, it was amazing when the, you, you really felt bad for them when you read the emails. So you're like, you don't know, you don't really <laughs> understand the ocean you're trying to swim in here. And it was, it was very similar to the, the Tennessee like coaching Ruck- search. Oh, yeah, that's, when, I was going to say Rutgers the, underpaying Greg Schiano yeah, last year. Yeah, but. but when you were reading John Curry's DMs with Mike Gundy, like, I mean, you know what Mike Gundy's doing here. <laughs> it's not this. This we've seen this movie before. So I, yeah, it's there's a lot for Martin Jarman to deal with. Hopefully, for the Bruins' sake, they can get a win or two on the football field, and he doesn't have to think about that as much. But again, I don't think it matters if USC if UCLA wins a game this year because of the list I made. They've, they've got bigger fish to fry, Here, Here's a question while we're on the USA, U, USA, UCLA train of thought. I was texting with a, a Power 5 administrator last week about UCLA, and he said, when's the last time the dream slash can't miss slash home run hire actually worked for anyone? Jim Harbaugh, Scott Frost, uh, Chip Kelly, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. That's what I said. Urban Meyer. I couldn't, but I, I never thought of it. Like all oh, these guys always flame out. Do Urban you was the first. Consider James one Franklin having worked out because he did win the Big Ten. Oh, I think he's. I think he's worked out tremendously there. Okay. Um, I mean, the, they're year, in a bad situation not, right now. This year's not good, but somebody no. had to lose that Nebraska Penn State game today. He, his yeah. job building that program, um, I, I, I think, is is a minor miracle. To be honest, like it, yeah, they were. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I, Ari, Ari thinks they're falling off a cliff. I well, think I mean, they're look, having a they're legitimate right like on field concerns and recruiting concerns to look at in the future. Yes, but um, he, he did a great job. But I don't was he like the? I think Al no, Golden was the first choice. A, I mean, <laughs> dream home run. You're right. Urban Meyer to Ohio State. Urban Meyer was the, the only was, was the, the first one. first and last one I thought of where I was like, "There's the homecoming everyone wants. It worked out national title." Um, and since then, I couldn't think of any. No, I mean because Ed Odron not, was not the home run hire. He was a homecoming, but it wasn't like well, and he, he wasn't the one they even wanted, right? And Tom, Tom Herman in Texas is not working out the way Texas hoped it would. So, yeah. I, I think I think it's very hard to be that guy and and live up to those expectations because those expectations are so crazy high. I mean, if if we're talking about the, let's say this century, how many of those have worked? I would give you, I'd say there's three. It's Nick Saban and Urban Meyer twice. Urban yeah, Meyer at Florida, fair. Urban Meyer at Ohio State. It's probably fair. Um, 
if George ever breaks through, I think you say Kirby, but even then, yes. I don't know if he was, he was a homecoming, but was he a can't miss? I mean, he had never been a head coach. He was 39. He, he was considered can't miss. And because you were getting rid of a guy who was really good and because the mandate was win a national title, I think that that's why he gets lumped in with everybody else. But, but no, the other guys had had success as head coaches before. You know, Jim Harbaugh had been to a Super Bowl. Well, He'd won. That's the what's interesting to me is when you talk about the pressure. I don't look at UCLA and see pressure. Like I can't figure out why Chip Kelly hasn't at least got them playing 500 ball every year. You know, like they're not. I mean, he could have gone to Florida, which would have been a really interesting experiment. That would in have been retrospect. a disaster. I mean, Dan Mullen but, was their third choice and is by far the best choice. But exactly, I don't. I I, I just can't figure. I mean. You look at Michigan, okay, they don't do this well. Ohio State recruits better. You know, the quarterback plays bad, blah, blah, blah. UCLA, I mean, I, I, I don't see pressure there. Like, I don't know what the – like, something's not working. I just can't figure out – Maybe what, the problem like, is there is no pressure. Maybe, but I, I just don't – I don't think Chip Kelly became dumb overnight. I mean, I know he was innovative 10 years he didn't ago. didn't become but like, dumb. It's just the – remember – He's the guy who came up with the innovation that everyone right. else had to then react but to. But you also think When he he's... got back, everyone had already reacted to it. So it's, it's like coming up with that next big idea. It's like, it's like asking Mark, hey, Mark Zuckerberg, come up with another great, you know, another amazingly successful social media network. It's not that easy. Chip Kelly legitimately changed the game, like fundamentally changed the game. You're, he's not going to necessarily do that again. He's not, but I think when you put it in that context, it sounds like he almost kind of like glitched his way to the top, which I don't think is a fair way to, to I don't, say it I either. don't think he glitched his way he to the top. He could still coach I football. He, I think he came up with a, with a million-dollar idea or multi-million-dollar idea, and it worked really well, and then everybody adjusted and adapted, and he doesn't have another one right now. I guess, but I just don't. I don't disagree with the idea that he came up with this multi-million dollar idea. But every great coach is adjusted, whether they came up with something or not. Whoever thought Nick Saban you was said every great coach is adjusted. Yeah, he hasn't adjusted. Okay, but like that doesn't mean he's got to like go in the think lab and come up with an offense that no one's ever seen before. Like no, he has to come up with something that works and, here. But you also have to recruit better players, which is not something he's ever really right, been able to do right. either. So, and that's why when when he was. When Florida offered him the job and he was trying to decide between Florida and UCLA, I remember that, the, you know, there were Florida people like, oh, how, how do you convince him to take it? I'm like, you don't because yeah. he no, doesn't I, want to recruit in the SEC. I, the reason he didn't take the job already is because he doesn't want to, want to recruit in the SEC. So you, you pat him on the back and say, good luck at UCLA. He wants to be an honest, Go find yeah. somebody to recruit in the SEC. And I thought that was a stroke of genius. I mean, we just spent a bunch of time ragging on the old UCLA administration, but I thought it was a stroke of genius for Dan Guerrero to fire Jim Mora with a couple games left that season. And Oh, it got him to the front of the line. Yeah, him yeah. to the front of the line with Chip Kelly, which he might not have been. Um, and I thought Chip Kelly would thrive there for that reason. Because he doesn't want to be the big man on campus, he doesn't want to be the center of attention, Um he doesn't want to recruit that way, but like, I just, I guess in my mind, I just naturally think you're in Southern California. You don't like, you, still you could have take, to recruit well. Cause you, you could take to, the leftovers from USC and still out scheme play Helton. If you're that good of a coach, which I know is yeah, oversimplifying you, you still it. Got a, and, and he did the first year, but you, you still have to, you still have to play Arizona state, which is good every once in a while, Arizona, which can be good at times, Utah, which is good almost every year. 
you, you, it's a nine-game schedule in a 12-team league, so you've got to play Oregon a bunch. You've got to play Washington a bunch. Like, those are never going to be gimmies. <laughs> not gimmies, but I don't know. I just... I, I just it's it's not I, I can, that easy I can, if you don't it's if you not, don't it's either easy, have the million dollar idea or great players or both. I could tell you why Nebraska football is not great right now. I could tell you why Michigan football is not great right now. I can't tell you clearly why Chip Kelly isn't not even great. Isn't like five hundred. Um, that that's the part that that I can't figure out. Well, it, it is it is going to be a fascinating. You, you you could you could add sorry. Oh, good. Brian Kelly was was. Choice A, B, and C, I think, for Notre Dame coming out of Cincinnati. Yes. Okay. No, you're right. That's worked out really well. I'd say that that has absolutely worked out. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting over the next few months because I'm not sure, unless Michigan can figure out how to make the split happen without embarrassing anybody and without, without just saying, I'm writing this big check in the middle of a pandemic to have a better football program, which is not a very Michigan thing to do right now. Uh, I just, what opens? I mentioned the TCU thing. I don't think Gary Patterson is going to say, you know what? I don't know that I've got it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to go retire and go on tour with, uh, you know, (laughs) with a a Jimmy Buffett cover band. I I just don't think he's going to do that. So, but, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're playing very well over the last few years. And I'm not sure there's a path out of that especially given what happened off the field or well at practice. Right. No, that's true. But I think that also showed how big of a stick he still wields there because like there was zero internal or external. Anybody else would have fired. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, Um, but, but the thing is the stick you wield gets smaller and smaller with every loss. It does. It does. And look, maybe even if that opens though, I mean, I don't know. Don't know if TCU is looking for the, it's a pretty good job, but I don't think TCU and Michigan are, are no. going to be swimming in the same water. Unless Texas opens or one of the jumbo premium coaches like Ryan Day or, or Lincoln Riley takes an NFL job, there would be no competition at that level. That's fair. I mean, are so, there NFL guys? Are there NFL guys you can identify who they come back here? Well, well, that's the thing that the I don't, I don't is, think Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady's closer to NFL head coach. I think Joe Brady's going to be an NFL one. coach. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be an NFL co- head coach. Robert Salah is going to be an NFL head coach. I I will tell you who I think would be a good college coach, but because of the way his NFL tenure ended, people aren't going to like it. I think Dan Quinn would be an incredible college head coach. You've said that before. I, I can he would see be that. a great recruiter, a phenomenal recruiter. And here's a guy who went to a Super Bowl and didn't just like Jim Harbaugh didn't win it, but right. but he got to a Super Bowl. Um, I just the the other guy, and I, this is another guy who I think is probably going to be an NFL head coach. And I'm not I don't know about this for Michigan, but this is something anybody needs to look at is Greg Roman, who by the way was probably the reason right. for Jim Harbaugh's success at Stanford and and the 49ers, or, or one of the big reasons for it. He's designed the offense that the Ravens run now. My guess is an NFL team is going to take him right. as a head coach if that's what he wants. But he's worked at the college level before. He's recruited before. So it's not, it's not like it would be foreign to him. Yeah, I just think before Harbaugh or since Harbaugh, when's the last guy who voluntarily or close to voluntarily made that move? Nick Saban. 
Yeah. 13 years ago. 14 years ago. And had to be talked into it. And I, this is another rant for another podcast, but I always think the way we color a guy going 15 and 17 in two years as NFL head coach is an abject disaster is hilarious considering how many guys get extended for worse records in that league. But yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen a whole lot. I, and we're seeing it happen the other way, probably more. We're probably seeing a wave right now of it happening the other way um, as, as yeah. opposed to before. I mean, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback coach at Notre Dame in 2014. Still, to this day, the most anonymous assistant coach I've covered in a decade of Notre Dame football because he was there one year and he coached a position where the head coach coached it. But he's got the best start to an NFL career, I think, in NFL history. When loss rise. It's it's truly amazing. I mean, and think about this: Joe Brady was was basically he wasn't a gopher, he but he was a a low level assistant nice. coach two years ago with the Saints. And now he is potentially going to be an NFL head coach next year. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury. Here's the guy. If this guy won today, I could see Michigan taking a chance on him on a small body of work. And I wonder if you know who I'm thinking of right now. Um, Jeff Halfley. I, he's one that Ari brought up as well. And I, I think everybody he, in college I, I think he, I think he, Halfley. I think he'll be an NFL head coach sooner than later. An NFL head coach, though, not yes. a, not a yeah, NFL. Coach. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give you the name of a college head coach who I think should be on everybody's list. Probably isn't because you'd have to know the circumstances pretty well to understand the job he's done. Neil Brown. I was gonna say Dave Clawson, but well, Dave Dave Clawson is another one. Dave Clawson <laughs> is 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 a great one who continues to be hindered by the one year he spent as offensive coordinator at Tennessee, which happened to be the year that Philip Fulmer got fired, but. You can't put that on Dave Clawson. He's been, he's worked miracles at Wake Forest. But the Neil Brown talking working miracles. What he took over at West Virginia. The fact that they won five games last year was pretty amazing. But now they are they might finish above five hundred in the Big Twelve this year, which is nuts considering what they took over. You see him for NFL or big college? College, big college. Oh, yeah, I figure. He's done a great job there. He has, and he's definitely flown under the radar. I, I say Clawson, and I feel like I, I, oh, I, I say him a lot because I, I, I think everybody should be looking at Dave Clawson. I think Dave would be very selective about the jobs he took. He'd be very selective. He doesn't want. I mean, he doesn't put his name out there. He's very happy where he is. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid well. They've got uh, great facilities now. Which uh, when he got there, they were worse than what he left at Bowling Green. But they've got great facilities now. Great infrastructure. It's a, uh, I'm going to call it a winnable league, but it's a league where you can do a lot of damage. It's hard to win if you're Wake Forest. Now, let's no, be honest I mean, there. You, you can, I think, that, you know, in a normal year without Notre Dame in that conference, they, they could win 10 games there. They should have done it last year, frankly. Um, they they, they kind could, of collapsed on the stretch. Can't, they can't win the league if Clemson's in their division. Right, right. No, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a winnable league, but it's a league where you can win a lot of games um, and, and look up at Clemson, um, get closest to Clemson. But he, I mean, you look at his, his resume and look, he's older now. So the parallels aren't exactly uh, the same. And he had that, you know, one year at Tennessee that, that um, did some damage, but his, his career trajectory almost mirrors Brian Kelly's as far as it's like, very similar. You're right. I hadn't thought go, about it that way. Go somewhere, right. flip somewhere around, do it again at a higher level again and again and again. Yeah. And, and you FCS, you know, level by level is, right. is how they did it. So I think that's that's a good parallel. I hadn't thought about it that way, but and and he's I think he would want to be at a school like that. 
Yeah, no, he like would. Wake he, Forest, he, like Wake, like Notre Dame, like you know. I would guess that one year at Tennessee will make him forever selective about anything. But if Vandy opens, which it, I mean, I, I don't know that Vandy I, would if, do anything if I'm him I right now, but nor in a normal year he'd already be fired. But if you're Dave Clawson, would you leave Wake for Vandy? No, I wouldn't. Absolutely not. You, you, I mean, you got everything you want or, or have asked for, I should say, at Wake Forest. Besides Clark Lee at Notre Dame. I was going to say, that's, that's Vandy, your Vandy, Vandy guy, alum. Right? That's your guy right there. That's, that's if, your Vandy look, coach. If you, he's if you young enough where he could be He's young enough where he could be selective. I mean, he knows that place better than anyone. If he goes there and interviews and says, like, this place still doesn't have his stuff together, I'm going to go coordinate for Brian Kelly, probably make close to a million dollars and compete for a playoff spot every year or every other year. Um, I mean, like, if you're Clark Lee, I mean, he was the runner-up for Boston College last year, and, like, that's the perfect, like, first yeah. job. Well, that's uh, the thing. If, if you are if if you are not an alum of Ohio State or Alabama or somewhere like that, the, the whole idea of your alma mater calling you it should be very flattering, but it should not be an automatic yes. Correct. Because well, look at Jeff Brown. I don't know pretty, and Louisville, is a, Louisville is a place that actually is a pretty good job, but I mean, Jeff Brown didn't go back the way everyone assumed he would. Vandy, no, I mean. Syracuse is going to open this year because I don't think a whole lot are, but like, I think one of their first calls should be the Clark Lee. He was there. He knows that place. I think it would be the height of stupidity, frankly, without, you know, being in his actual shoes to go there. I mean, that, that's a job that could completely send your career off course because you, that's a place where you can't, like they don't invest. Like you can't win there. Dino worked a minor miracle in that one year. And we're seeing what a miracle it was because we're seeing how hard it is to win there when you don't have the recruiting infrastructure or the geography or any of the other natural advantages that everyone else in that conference has. Hey, Matt, do you think this podcast has been mostly about the coaching carousel because that is what our brains are wired to do in mid-November? Like, Yeah, probably. I any mean, that other is- year, we would be getting ready for a massive – there would already have been a bunch of firings, and there would be about to be a whole lot more. I, and, and I feel like this is – you know. Like my body's like, oh, you got to talk coaching carousel now. But the thing, the thing about this is, I don't think we have any idea who actually would be willing to do anything. I think there was the general philosophy, not just in college football. I think in all sports, when it came to free agents, whatever. You know, everyone's everyone's going to tighten their belts a little bit more this year. Like it's not going to be a free for all. People got to be judicious. I'll be curious to see if that uh, theory holds when all is said and done and you've got a lot of unhappy fan bases. It's threatening yeah, it's to not to buy tickets and, next and logical year. when you're O and O, but here's the other thing. They might not be able to sell tickets for the whole stadium. Well, next here's, year. here's a, the one thing I feel confident in saying is at the group of five level, if you're on the fence, I think you're going to get another year. I feel, I think that is a true difference between last year and this year that I feel confident saying like it's going to take a lot to get fired at that level. Now here's, here's the flip side for the power five, because you and I both know that sometimes these decisions get made essentially to prime the donor pump. If you know, you're not going to, you didn't sell much, you didn't sell tickets this year or or you sold very limited tickets this year because that's all you were allowed to sell. And you're not sure you're going to be able to sell a bunch of tickets next year or any next year. Do you make a change to get people donating again? Hmm. Because you need, money coming in probably i mean at most places i would think yeah because south carolina is what i keep bringing up because 
it does feel like apathy set in there, but that is a huge buyout they'd have to pay. But is anybody going to be willing to write a check to that program right now? As is. And, and I don't, you look at the makeup of that division. It's getting better. Is it? Well, okay. Tennessee it's getting better? It's get, Florida well, no. and Georgia are better, but, but like but the thing your is peers Florida in that Georgia, division. But if Florida and Georgia are both good and both really good, you don't have a ton of hope there. So you got to. But, but like, that's my point. Like, I don't think South Carolina is ever going to swing. South Carolina at its best is not going to be on the same level as Florida and Georgia at its best. No. And I don't think I don't think it's possible for all of them to be at their best at the same time, given that they're in the same division. But I'm just saying, like South Carolina, 2012 was as close as it ever got. Yeah, and it, you know that's, that's that's a good point. I mean, that was the year where uh, Florida made the Sugar Bowl, right? And yep. Georgia came almost and, beat and Alabama. South Carolina won 11. South Carolina beat and Clowney. Yeah, no, that, yep. that's a good point. But I, I just don't. I, I think you got to be careful. Like I, I don't. I look at like the peers in that division. I look at, as you said, Florida and Georgia and everyone else. And Kentucky's Kentucky. They're they're all reliable. They're good. Missouri will get better. I mean, they have a first year. Right. Head They'll coach, have good years and, and ups and downs. And Tennessee, and Tennessee will have good years and ups and downs. Tennessee's not taking off right now. Like it's not like oh, no. we got we got to worry about Tennessee right now. Um, I, I I just and Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I feel like you're bidding against yourself almost, especially if you don't have your guy. Let, let me throw let me throw one more at you. What if Dave Doran loses to Liberty next week? I'll follow that up with what Andy Bitter brought up to me on our Atlantic and Coastal podcast this week. Dave Doran can lose a Liberty next week, and NC State's probably still going to finish 7-3 and three in ACC play this year. Wow. That's crazy. Exactly. That was my reaction. Got the most wow. favorable schedule in the history of schedules. but That's true. They got no Clemson, no Notre Dame, and, and no Miami. They got Miami. They lost to Miami. 7-3. and three. I mean – and I'll tell you right now, like Dave and, and that staff, they'll pump it up as they should coming off a, a terrible year last year. I mean, they just beat Florida State with a backup quarterback that could have cut it at Florida State tonight, and they beat him pretty good. Um, but they, they, that's that's NC State in a nutshell, right? Caught between a rock and a hard place. This guy has been on the hot seat at least three different times so far, and he's also gotten three different contract extensions. And there's a better chance than not he finishes seven and three in conference play this year. His wife with a loss to Liberty, yeah, which will be wild. three ACC wins for Liberty if that happens. I do, I do think this will be Liberty's toughest challenge from the ACC. So I'm not handing that win to mm. the Flames quite yet. With no Devin Leary, I don't know. I mean, going into Blacksburg, if, if Devin Leary were playing, I would say NC State wins that yes. game. Yes, but I mean, away, but Virginia Tech for all its faults, that's a very impressive win if you're Liberty. Wow, this is. <sighs> Where's where's is, Hugh? Is Hugh, uh, I mean, Auburn's a natural, but there's no guarantee Auburn will. There's no guarantee Auburn will do anything. I mean, there nothing's happening with Gus. That 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 I'm thing just is, saying, like that that's that the SEC program you look at that says. Well, that's right, another one for you. Mario. I mean, if you're Mario, right? It, let's let's say nothing's happening with Gus. We're we're gonna, but hypothetically, let's say Auburn opened and Michigan opened at the same time. Which would you take? Uh, Mario would, Cristobal. Well, if I'm Mario. Um, personally, I would take Michigan, but I think if Auburn was open, I think Auburn's philosophy would be Mario because he's from the saving tree or 
Do we try to become the program that finally prize the only guy who has Nick Saban's number away from Davos Sweetie and throw a truckload of money at Brent Venables to come? It would be it would be very interesting. I, I think you take Mario and Mario banks on Nick Saban not coaching forever. Which I don't know. I honestly I don't, don't know. know how long he's going to go. He could go for 10 more years. The, the, the man he looks could. younger and younger every day. He could. I mean, that's – I don't know if you make a career and life decision based on what that guy might be thinking. Well, if you're, if you're deciding whether to coach in the SEC West or not, it's a very important piece of your decision. So – it's it's something I wouldn't make make that the deciding factor between Michigan and Auburn it's not like it's not like the SEC West is easy even if Nick Saban retires I don't I don't think that's going to be a a possibility anyway because again I think Gus is fine I think that buyout is huge and and look the last time we saw Auburn play yeah it appeared to turn a corner so we'll we'll see I I just threw them out because that's like the natural Hugh Freeze link but I mean Hugh Freeze he's gonna get interviewed this year somewhere well so you've got the double secret probation situation in the SEC where Greg Sankey has to green light it and so I I think a big 12 program or an ACC program but I don't see which one of the which of those would open yeah I don't know what's open ACC I don't think anything's yeah opening that he because he could get hired as a head coach in those leagues with with relatively little trouble it's just the jobs may not be there not going to be there in the acc big 12 off the top of my head i can't think of any i mean you mentioned patterson you know want to hang him up but i don't think that's going to happen um no i i don't think so at all so and then texas wouldn't i don't think texas would do that texas is more like a mario cristobal type guy like that's that's the job you're talking about but again i don't i don't think they're going to wind up doing anything I think once he beat Oklahoma State, they're locked into a season that will be okay, but not what they want, but it's not a fireable season. We'll see. I'm not ready to call it either way with that one. I think there's a lot of season left, a lot of potential for good and bad to happen there. Um, I mean, I was on the show, what, a month ago? And it was this show, except with Tom Herman in Texas instead of Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. So Yeah, um, the difference is I I don't think Jim Harbaugh gets any better. I don't think there's a... I agree with that. I don't think there's an Oklahoma State game in the offing for him. And yeah, there's a larger body of work. Yeah, he's 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 uh, doomed to the fate of Michigan in the Big Ten this year, which is not good. All right, and on that note, <laughs> on that bright and cheery note, no, we, we this is this is what we talk about this time of year, and we will see if we actually need to be talking about it over the next few weeks. But Matt's right; there's a lot more season left to go than we're used to right now as currently scheduled which we don't know if that's going to change there's still another month of season it's going to get wild and so thank you, you can me. listen to the you can listen to this tomorrow while watching college football that's exactly right you could turn this on at 9 a.m pacific noon eastern and watch it while you watch ucla cal from the rose bowl cal's first game it's going to be glorious it's going to be so glorious. <sighs> Who's ready for some Sunday college football? I know I am. Matt Fortuna, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Best sports writing on the planet. $1 a week for your first six months right now. If you subscribe at theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday.